0: Welcome back to the How to This End podcast, home to my original short stories. I'm Chris, and this, well, this is season two. Did you think I'd be back? Did you miss me? You know what, don't answer that. I'm just happy you're back. Season two feels like a milestone. There's so many podcasts out there with only a handful of episodes, so to not count myself among them feels like an accomplishment. I'm also excited for the stories this season. I think there's more depth to them, and they're a bit longer, But back to the episode. Reactions, of all kinds, fascinate me. Emotional responses to feeling slighted or being in love, chemical and physical reactions to things and people under intense heat and pressure, or how my wife Halise reacts at the sight of a roach in our apartment, with shocking speed and excessive amounts of insecticide. Then there's nuclear reactions in space. That's an abrupt transition, I know. There's no need to wonder about that, since the US government performed such an act on July 9th of 1962. Though, to be fair, the Soviets were conducting their own tests as well. It was called Starfish Prime, and its purpose was to discover the effects of a nuclear blast in higher elevations and lower space. It temporarily altered the planet's magnetosphere disrupted power to Hawaii, created an artificial aurora borealis that cast the sky blood-red across the Pacific Ocean from Hawaii to New Zealand, and created a temporary radiation belt around Earth's lower orbit that damaged Telstar, the AT&T communications satellite, a first of its kind. There's an interesting write-up in Smithsonian Magazine and some interesting footage on YouTube that I'll link in the description. This episode is called The Fate of the Califer. Alarms fill the Caliphers' bridge at regular intervals. Their warble builds and ebbs like birdsong from the forest back home. Each siren is grating on its own, but becomes sweetly harmonious in unison. Hmm, intriguing. The changes that occur in the mind when one resets expectations. And there's no more significant reset than this, I assure the Caliphers. Besides, the alarms serve as confirmation of our new mission objective. The tone of the alarm seems inappropriate though. A bit too cheerful, too merry. Not the dignified send-off for the research vessel, Califer. It's engaged in its last act of service, after all. Silence may be more fitting for the occasion, don't you think? I ask the Califer. I nod my head for the both of us. My hands tremble and threaten to fail, but I'm able to mute the alarms on my monitor. Strobes of multicolored light reflect off the walls each indicative of a life-support system outside of acceptable parameters. The spectrum of color is lost as another flash of light radiates inward. It's brilliantly white and, no doubt, radioactive. It fades some, but lingers on somehow. I'm uncertain if this phenomena is a result of my own retinal damage or the photons themselves refusing to give up their energy from the blast. Regardless, their ghostly dance along my sightline is... so fluid and pleasing. A strange thought occurs to me then. Am I engaging in mutiny? Our protocol stipulates only the mission commander has the authority to augment the mission objective, and only in times of exceptional duress. I shrug and wince at the effort. Well, I say aloud for the caliph's benefit, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a duress that was more exceptional than this. It would be rude to keep my thoughts to myself, and I respect the califer too much for such a slide as that. I attempt to reassure the califer. Succession of command makes me Mission Commander. Sole survivor, and also Mission Commander. I can feel my facial muscles pull into a smirk. I was never one for humor, but it's all I have left after the blast. I try to make light of the situation, to diffuse the tension. That's what a good Mission Commander would do. Like Commander Shager. My, the accolades keep coming, don't they? At this rate, I'll be Supreme Commander of the Imperial Fleet in no time. I giggle at this but it's too painful to keep up longer than a few seconds. I think of Maze, good-natured, quick to laugh and to comfort. They would have derided my attempts at humor, but cackled nonetheless. Oh, Maze, I whimper, feeling the water build in my eyes along with a bubble of grief in my chest. I push past it. There's nothing left but the mission objective now. Another luminous orb flares into view, joining the sea of other explosions that surround us. The us. Being the califer and i a most singular us as i've ever known something compels me to count each blast if for no other reason than to fill the time there are 47 in total each one is a brilliant and intense approximation of a star's nuclear fusion albeit on a smaller scale unlike stars their source is not the divine big bang but the nearest planet the terrestrial inhabitants of which are the closest thing to devils that i can think of i am resolute in that conclusion now that the veil of my ignorance is lifted. In spite of that, I can't help but marvel at the elegance of their projectiles of destruction. As a reasonable being, I know aesthetic pleasantries are a mental construct, and a subjective one at that. Though, surely even devils would be capable of beauteous things. Are not ruination and death admirable to devils? The eruptions of light are much further than the first had been. My strength has left me, sapped from my body by trauma and cell damage, but I have enough of it to shift in my seat and improve my view of the outside. The planet grows larger with our approach, a sphere blanketed in blue seas and gray landmass. Again, I must admit to the beauty of the sight. Such a contrast. The planet is placid, belying the wicked vermin that traips its surface. These devils are not deserving of such a place, I hiss at the califer. A realization strikes me, and I mourn the planet's fate. It is merely an inheritance that those devils likely desecrated, I say, bringing control to my breathing. Must everything be fouled by their touch? I posit, yes, that seems likely. Remorse overtakes me, taking my hand and guiding me backwards in time. The caliphers crew, of which I was part, had grossly mistaken the first payload as benign. In fact, we considered it a form of communication, an olive branch delivered in a sleek cylindrical package. The first contact between two sentient life forms. How else would you take such a gesture? Not even the most cynic among us, me, assumed Mel intent. Granted, a projectile was an odd choice for the message, sure, but we dismissed it as the cosmic equivalent of lobbing a message tied to a rock. These were primitive creatures, after all. Reason and calculation aside, a being of science such as I is an optimist and a romantic. What else is a hypothesis? than the whispered poetry from our rational mind, a wish that we hoped to see made manifest and corporeal. We were an envoy for learning and peace. Such learned people on this ship, so naive. We'd steered the rear of the ship for an intercepting course with the metallic package. The excitement had been electric among us. The beating of each heart was nearly audible. Intelligent life! We exclaimed to each other. We'd been staring out across the empty chasm of space, and here... We found a people not just staring back at us, but practically walking up and shaking our claws in salutation. I remember Maze. Even in memory, the thought of their name summons tears and anguish. In the darkness behind my eyelids, my mind projects our last shared moments. Maze fidgeting next to my station, shifting their weight from leg to leg, and making that high-pitched squeal they made when excited. It was annoying and distracting, but endearing. Imagine it, Vela! Maze clicked. They were so worked up that I could barely make them out. Are you certain you won't come? I could no longer ignore them, and spared a look from my monitors. I just have to check on a few more things. I'll be there soon, I replied. It was all I could do to hide the panic in my voice. I reached out a claw and swatted playfully at Maze. Maze pretended I'd just cut off their arm, and chirped with laughter as I rolled my eyes. Go, I clicked with a smile. With that... May skittered down to the stern of the ship to be part of the retrieval ceremony with the rest of the crew. Even Mission Commander Shager had gone to participate. This was an uncharacteristic breach in protocol for the commander, but not even they were immune to the thrill of the discovery. I was alone on the bridge. I just couldn't shake this foreboding itch in my tail. Orbital analyses from the planet were a garbled mess of radiation, and I decided to hone in on a visible band of energy. My monitor was awash in visions of anarchy. The life forms screeched and clawed at each other. Hunger and misery were omnipresent. War and pestilence took turns sowing unrest. Among all this, suffering was visible, but ignored. These things needed guidance, which we would provide, but a much more measured approach was necessary. I tried to reach Mission Commander Shager, but my strained clicks were drowned out by the clatter of the crew. Commander Shager! I have reservations on the current court. was all I could muster. The package what I now know to be an instrument of war, had not been fully retrieved before it detonated. A violent tremor and scalding heat tore through the caliper, and I thought all of existence was about to be snuffed out. Cracks erupted along the internal hull, and so began the alarms. The floor beneath my feet gave way, and I fell unconscious. I awoke to a gnawing pain along my spine. I had been flung far from my post to the opposite side of the bridge. I stumbled on unsteady legs back to my station and did a system triage. It was no small miracle that I was even alive, as the califers' rear hull had been melted through. 95% of the thrusters were also offline, or had sheared off. I pieced together the last moments of the crew from diagnostic reports. Explosive decompression had sent my colleagues, my friends, to the next life. The ship had quickly segmented off the compromised hull But whoever managed to survive had received enough radiation so that their blood turned to steam and cooked them from the inside. Though alive, I had also received a fatal dose, just not enough to dispatch me with any sense of mercy. I grieved for the lives lost, the wasted potential, for our families that we left behind. I tear open my eyes, as reliving that loss opens a pit of anguish deep within me. The bombs continue, but their aim is poor. Even a wriggling hatchling, fresh from its gestational sac, could outmaneuver them. It was those devil's dumb luck that we assisted that first payload to its mark by attempting to bring it aboard. Still, the creatures from that planet send up volley after volley. They have no idea of the extent of the nuclear fallout that would befall them. I will spare them of that consequence by expediting their destruction. The initial nuclear blast had sent the ship's heavy mass propulsion drive to near-critical failure. It wouldn't take much to push it over the brink, say, the gravitational pull of a planet, or better yet, the impact of the califer on the planet's surface. The califer and I are limping towards the planet now. It is slow going with our remaining engines, but time, like everything else at this point, does not matter. I lean back in my chair and think about the aftermath. The devil's nuclear weapons will look like matchsticks compared to what I will rain down upon them. I estimate about a quarter of the planet would be vaporized to glass or shot off into space. What remains of the atmosphere will evaporate and it would all be over. The thought of this makes me gag. I am committing genocide, but I have no recourse. There would be a scouting party when the califer failed to report back. That crew would meet a similar fate Or worse, these devils could trace the scout ship back to our world. That is likely a paranoia-driven fear, but perhaps not. The worst thing you can do is underestimate these devils. I know what happens when you do. I fill my remaining time making a data file with our findings and my final act. I send it, along with my apologies for our failure, back home on a drone. My hands drift down towards a growing purple stain on my flight suit. The califer cries out, and the alarms go off again, this time signifying that a collision is imminent. I smile at the high-pitched whining sound that charges the stale air. I can hear the power surging, unchecked, in the propulsion drive. The blue planet is so close now that it takes up every angle of view from the bridge. This great sickness. This human cancer will never be able to perpetuate its horrors on another living soul again. Thank you for listening. Stay up to date on new episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. You can leave feedback, or just say hi, on my website, howdoesthisend.co or at hdte.mp3 on Instagram. If you like the podcast, rate it if you can, or share it. If you'd like to do more, you could join my Patreon. I'm on hiatus from nursing, and I'm truly in love with storytelling, so any help is appreciated and would keep the stories coming. The link, patreon.com slash end, is in the description. Special thanks to the patrons from this season, Alex Cavazos, Linda Clemens, Liz Walker, Lucy McKay, and Tiffany Wu. May the sun warm your face each morning. May your cup and bowl never be empty and may you forever be rich in heart. Sound effects come from freesound.org and Epidemic Sound. Music comes from Epidemic Sound. Artwork for this season was created by Edgar Lushaju. Edgar is a self-taught artist and freelance illustrator based in Southampton, England. With a background in graphic design and architecture, he creates digital and traditional illustrations in a variety of styles and mediums. Edgar wants his art to do more than just look good. He seeks to inspire contemplation and wonder, while eliciting a reaction to create change for the better. Check out his work on Instagram and YouTube at drawhapa, D-R-A-W-H-A-P-A, or look for Edgar Lushaju, L-U-S-H-A-J-U, on LinkedIn and Facebook. The How to Ascend podcast is a Stumblewell production and is brought to you for creative commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Be well, do good, and until next time.